You know, I really like that about, oh shit, you're back. Welcome, welcome back. Uh, welcome to the Other Side of Hell podcast. If you have not yet, don't forget to like and subscribe. Follow us on Instagram at the Other Side of Hell 101. And if you need to contact us, contact us at the Other Side of Hell at gmail.com. Sorry for the interruption. Please enjoy the show. We at the Other Side of Hell podcast are not therapists, doctors, or counselors. We're just two guys who have been through hell and come out the other side. Please be aware we may talk about drinking and drugging in detail. Anyone struggling with addiction may find this triggering. Our goal is to share our stories, explore our struggles, and connect with others through our experience. Remember, we are not alone. There is hope, and together we can get better. What's up, everybody? I am Cameron. I am Willie. Welcome to the other side of hell. What is happening, my friend? What's up? Yeah. How you doing? I'm grateful. You can't just go into it like that, man. You gotta wait a second. Feeling, feeling gratitude inside well, me. I guess if you're actually feeling gratitude, then mm-hmm. I can't be too mad. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Well, you know what? I'm actually, I'm feeling <clears throat> grateful too. I say that through gritted teeth. <laughs> well, lighten up. You ever feel gratitude that way? I'm so like, grateful. I'm so grateful right now. I'm so grateful I can't fucking stand it. <laughs> I feel that about been, our relationship every time you comment on something negative. Like what? I don't know. Oh. When you call me on my bullshit. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm like, I'm so fucking grateful for you. <laughs> Thanks, Willie. Yeah. Well, I love you a lot. I know. Yeah, I appreciate that. A lot of times, our a lot of times, the people that love us the most see the most potential in us, and we're just yeah. not ready to f- fucking do the work it takes to get to the highest version of ourselves in that moment. And then, well, sometimes it, you know, it's all about your approach too. Like, yeah, because I mean, I know we've all had people in our lives that love us a lot and try and give us advice on what to do that we ain't trying to hurt. Mm-hmm. But. I can definitely turn that around and be grateful for those people as well. Yeah. So that is actually what I want to talk today about. We are talking today about gratitude. Gratitude. It's Why? huge. Gratitude is a big one, man. Big part of it. Like I think uh, uh, it took me a long time to really to understand how, how big a role gratitude plays in a healthy and positive outlook. Yeah. You know? I do. One of the biggest things I remember uh, when uh, I went through treatment for drugs and alcohol addiction um, after the first time I went through treatment was I had heard that a grateful heart is never sad. And, uh, and at that time, I was sort of grieving a loss, a very close personal loss that I've talked about on the show before. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and I was able to look at that situation and really find the gratitude in it which was, you know, that, hey, man, I'm glad that I got the time that I did with him. You know? right. I'm glad that I was able to spend so much of his final days with him. And, and you know, I was, I was grateful that I was able to say goodbye and, and, you know, and all these different things about that situation that allowed me to sort of turn this grieving process into a moment of gratitude. Right. You know. And I'm I, glad you said process. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it is, mm-hmm. you know, and that, and that, uh, that, that I think was my first sort of moment of where I understood the power of gratitude. And so, you know, since then, 
I'm able to, to find myself in situations where I'm actually really surprised that I can find gratitude in it, mm-hmm. you know? Because before, or, or Cameron, when he's living in the disease, wants to feel self-pity in everything possible. So if you give me something that I can possibly use against me, I'll gladly do that, <laughs> right. you know? Right. But now I don't have to live that way. Now, now I can I can easily find the gratitude in, in in a lot of different situations, and I owe that to, to you know the work. Yeah. To to the work that I've been able to do. So, yeah. Grateful for the work you've done. Yeah. Wouldn't be here without it. Yeah. For sure. I'm grateful yeah. for the work that I've done too. Yeah. So is everybody else yeah, in your life. We not, all benefit. We all be with us on this side of the table. Like the world is a better place with us over here for sure. Mm-hmm. And gratitude is an action. It's, it's a verb. Yeah. Well, what do you what do you mean when you say you know, that? Well, I, I always think back. Like for for some reason, I always think back to when I was a kid. Like I look at my I look at my entire the entire of my life and the selfishness that is part of my disease. And <clears throat> like you know, I I always think like I think back to like early age gift giving. You know, and <clears throat> I remember so many times that I was just so ungrateful for the gifts that I was given as, as a, as a kid and as, as a teenager. And I think about that stuff, you know, um, you know, my, my grandparents never gave me a gift with the intention of making my life worse, you know, like everything, whether it was a pair of socks or money or a toy or whatever that gift was like the intention was to make my life better. And for me, the selfishness that I had, like nothing was good enough. You know, like if, if my gram my grandma or somebody gave me a check for 25 bucks, I, I w- would have been much happier with 50. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and that dis-ease, that part of the selfish part of myself carried over into adulthood, obviously, you know, um, heavy drug addiction and, and gratitude became something that was really elusive for me. Um, it seemed like nothing was good enough. Like everything could have been better, including myself. And so I take the entire history of my life and look at how I apply gratitude today through, through the actions that I have. I try to, um, express gratitude by living a certain way of life, Hmm. you know, um, so many people helped me out along the way. And I, and I really am grateful for that. I'm grateful for, however the message resonated with me to the point where I could appreciate the one life that I have. And so gratitude is so huge. Um, I think that that's how I pay my amends is through being grateful, Mm. you know? And if I find that when I'm grateful, I don't complain much. I don't, I don't have a lot to bitch about, you know, the, the, the long line at the $5 coffee shop just, doesn't seem to bother me as bad. <laughs> sure. I mean, I wish I could say that for me, it's, it, it's that natural. Sometimes it is a process that I have to go through where I'm like, what the f- is happening? And then, you know, I sure stop, take a breath. And I'm like, you know what? Like what? Because in the end I can sort of always bring it back to me being sober. Right. You know, and say, man, like, remember what it was like when, when I was drinking? I wouldn't even be in this situation. Right. This luxury problem. Yeah, exactly. Like, so, you know, I'm just going to, I'm just going to choose to be grateful right now. (laughs) 
and <laughs> and sometimes it works. Yeah, most know? of the time. For, yeah. yeah, most of the time today. Most of the time, I I walk around in a a, a spiritual high of gratitude. Mm-hmm. You know, I really do. You know, um, right now the big thing that I focus my gratitude on is is my body. You know, I'm grateful that regardless of how how much it hurts right now. You know, through all the exercise and, and things that I'm doing in my program in my life, you know, my body constantly hurts and, and I have to constantly be grateful for that. Mm-hmm. Like, because if I can compare it to not being able to do any of the stuff that I'm doing, you know, I'm pretty grateful that I can. Mm-hmm. And, and I think gratitude comes in comparison to other things. You know, what am I comparing my strife to what am I comparing my right. my blessings or or for, you know being fortunate to because so many people and so many situations like are are dealing with shit that I couldn't even begin to imagine what they're going through mm-hmm. and for me to not be grateful for the for the um, fortunate life that I have today that I've created and, and had help creating right because none of this stuff I did on my own. Um, to, to be ungrateful for like to not recognize how fortunate I am would be a sign of not being grateful, you know? Mm-hmm. And so gratitude is something that I, that I try to stay in constantly. Right. It really is. Yeah. Well, it's funny that you, you put it that way because I, I was watching a Ted talks and, um, the individual was talking about how the present moment is a gift, right? He's basically saying that, that gratitude is when you're given a gift that you didn't buy and that you didn't pay for that was given to you freely that you weren't expecting, mm-hmm. you know, and that's sort of where gratitude is, is born from. And, and in that sense, and I agree with that, like that feels sure. to me like, right. Like, yeah. Like when, when somebody, even if somebody just gives me something shows up and gives me something that I didn't earn, that I wasn't expecting, I usually feel gratitude for that. Sure. And what he what he talks about is, well, each moment is exactly that. Each moment of my life is something I didn't expect, that I didn't pay for, that has been given to me. Mm-hmm. And it's like, from from that perspective, each moment of my life is a gift. And I get to choose to be grateful for it. Yeah. You know? And so when you're talking about, you know, like every moment being, you know, like each, you get to be grateful for, for everything each day. Right. And, and so, you know, when I can put it in that perspective, like, man, like I shouldn't even be here. You know what I mean? Like it could have, it could have totally gone the other way. Yeah. And so I think for me, like sort of having that, in my rear view mirror and being able to look at that in retrospect, knowing that I came so close to, to losing my life. I came so close to, you know, all the negative things. And granted I had to go through quite a few of them, but I, I came so close to just being miserable forever. Right. That even, even being just a little bit better than that now is, is a moment I can be grateful for. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm really, I'm really grateful that, uh, uh, you know, when you held that gun to your head, it didn't feel like the right thing to right. do, you know, mm-hmm. and, and we're, we're here, we're here on this side of the table. And so the way that we show our gratitude is, is very important. You know, I think that, um, 
you know, some of the ways that I practice showing gratitude, because I think it's important to show gratitude through practice, through, Mm -hmm. through application. And it takes practice. It does. It really does. You know, um, because if, if I don't, then the minutia of life will build up in such a way that everything is a catastrophe. Mm. You know, I become unaware of my vehicle. I become unaware of my career. I become unaware of my home. I become unaware of my family. I become unaware of my health. And I start focusing on all this little shit that does not matter. Mm. And, and it blows up into this big mess of shit. And I'm, I'm living in misery because I'm not grateful for any of the things that I have, you know? And so one of the things that I started doing, um, recently, it's been, it's been a few months was, you know, what do I think about the moment that I wake up the moment that I open my eyes? And I found that through practice I can, and I have started waking up and saying, thank you. Now that's something that, um, I heard Wayne Dyer talk about one time when he was talking about being, having a grateful heart mm-hmm. is wake up and be grateful. And a lot of, a lot of the sages and gurus talk about, you know, being grateful for this life, you know, being grateful for the gift of life, right. being grateful for the presence of life and, and the presence of our planet and, and all those things, the spiritual aspect of gratitude. And so that's one of the things that fortunately I've been able to pull off is, the minute that I open my eyes and it's become habitual now that, um, I start rolling through things that I'm grateful for. You know, one of them is healthy children. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm so grateful that my children are healthy because man, there's a lot of kids that just are not healthy. No fault of their own. Right. You know, obviously they're children. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's a, uh, a burden that, um, I, I don't know. I don't have to deal with right now. And I'm, I'm super grateful for that. And, and then I'll roll into other parts of my life. You know, I'm grateful for my spouse and my home and, mm-hmm. you know, e- even you, like I'm grateful for you in my life who I get to talk to every day. Um, you know, and it's, it's different, but if I start my day off with that, mm-hmm. it seems to go a little bit better. Sure. Well, explain to me. And I, and I, and I, and I asked this just because I, I dare say I'm not the only one that's curious, but like, what exactly does that look like? You're in bed. Mm-hmm. You're next to your wife, girlfriend, spouse. You're next <laughs> to Avery, whatever. I'm next to my partner. And your eyes open. Yes. Do you sit up out of bed? Nope. You just close nope, your, so, like reclose your eyes. So um, I, you know, I mean, off on a on a, a side note here is like one of my goals was to stop sleeping with my phone in my room, mm-hmm. and believe it or not, like technology is at such where now my alarm is on my watch. Okay. So my alarm goes off. It vibrates me gently on my arm and, and I open my eyes and I, I come to, and, um, now I come to, I lay there, I look at whatever my surroundings are and I say, okay, let's start getting grateful, you know, consciously. Mm -hmm. That's what it looks like is, so I go, okay. Um, I notice whatever it is I'm thinking about, you know, panic is, is far and far less than it used to be. I used to just wake up panic, like sure. <laughs> as soon as my eyes open and this was even in sobriety, you know, I'd wake up panicked about work or finances or, you know, bills, whatever, you know, may have been on my plate the day before all the things you should be grateful for. <laughs> yeah. And, 
And now it's just a, a conscious thought of thank you, mm-hmm. you know, and then I start feeling my body and I sit up and I put my feet on the floor and I start rolling through the things that I'm thankful for. Thank you for this. Thank you for that. Verbally out loud? Uh, in my mind, I try to be quiet because usually there's like all my family in my bed. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> the kids migrate in there throughout the night. And, and some days that's what I'm grateful for, mm-hmm. you know? So it takes practice, but it can be done. You know, it's one of those things that can become a habit um, because I am grateful that I'm sober. Right. I really am. Yeah. I'm so grateful that I'm respected through the work that I've done on myself. You know, I, I really am. Um, I've had such a low self-esteem throughout most of my life, and I've always wanted to compare or, or add up to or feel a part of or, or any of those things. And, and because I never did feel that way, um, it's habitually I continue to not feel that way. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I, I'm like automatically programmed to negativity if you will oh yeah and so so there has to be a conscious decision moment to moment that i'm going to feel a certain way and it can be done you know it just takes practice sure so yeah i think that you know i i know i'm there i know that i'm i'm doing well and that you know i'm working a good spiritual program when i'll find myself in certain situations that normally would either aggravate me or piss me off or send me down like this vicious, you know, road of self-destruction and, and really, you know, find gratitude in that, Mm -hmm. you know, like recently, like I've, I've experienced that where, you know, I've been able to look at this situation and say, this is actually a good thing, you know, something, something that I thought to be bad and say, you know what, this was actually like, this was actually good. Like, is there, is there something that, like people might relate to that. Um, yeah, I mean, I won't go. I won't go too far into it yet. I'll talk about it later. Oh, down okay. The road. Okay. But but you know, like the, the I mean, the the basic thing is that it's it's something that you know, eventually I I was able to get to a point of just extreme gratitude with it. You know. Okay. And I think that, you know, even with what's happening with my weight loss journey, you know, and and sort of being able to to look at that situation and, and just be really, really grateful for the opportunity to share it with the world mm-hmm. and to, you know, have an opportunity to take care of myself and to be vocal about it and talk to people about it. And instead of being ashamed, you know, about where I was and then where I found myself and, and just sort of flipping it around to being like, you know what, like this is, this is okay. It's okay that I'm here and it's okay that, you know, I talk to people about it because there's other people that can relate with it. Yeah. Right. And it was just like, you know what, it's okay that I'm an alcoholic because if I, if I hadn't gone through that process, like I wouldn't be able to, I wouldn't know nearly as much about myself as I do now, Mm -hmm. you know, and I, and I had to go to hell, which is why, we call this show the other side of hell. I had to go to hell to really be thrust into this point or this moment where I had to learn as much about myself as I did in order to come out on the other side and, and, and how grateful I am that I had to to do that, you know? 
And so like life continues to give me these opportunities Yeah. where I'm going to have to learn a little bit more about myself. And sometimes I'm really surprised at what I find out about myself. It's <laughs> yeah. like, Hey, I'm stronger than I thought. Yeah. You know, like who the fuck knew? Yeah. Because I have such a low opinion of myself. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. That sometimes I'm really surprised at what I'm able to, <laughs> to, you know, like to, to overcome. Yeah. I and, could totally relate with that. Yeah. You know? One of the things that I'm super grateful for now was something that I was super bitter about before, you know, and it it was my previous marriage, mm -hmm. you know, like, and, and I'm so grateful for it because if I didn't have what I had, like you're saying, I wouldn't know what I have now, right? you know, and, and I know what I have now because I have something to compare that to. And I made it through it. You know, there's nothing that I've been through that I haven't been through. And so the fact that I've been through it proves that I can get through it. And if I can get through that stuff, I can probably get through whatever's going on now. Um, we're the fortunate ones that have been able to, to receive a program laid out in such a way that we're able to, to grow upon that stuff. And it, and one thing leads to another, leads to another, leads to another. And we just continue to grow in self-development, right? Spiritually, emotionally, physically, financially, in all those areas of our lives. And we're just so lucky to be at where we're at, mm -hmm. where, uh, the love of humanity is such that, um, being an alcoholic is, um, accepted. Right. And, uh, like compassion, there, there's a lot of compassion involved around that. And so there's a lot of opportunity for recovery mm -hmm. because, because there is a lot of compassion around alcoholism, drug addiction, homelessness, you know, all these things. And I was part of that. And if it wasn't for that compassion from people like law enforcement, who by rights could have fucking shot me at one time mm -hmm, mm -hmm. from judges who could have by rights put me away for good at one time from counselors to other alcoholics. Now I'm at where I'm at. And for me to not move forward would be just a slap in the face to all of the people that have helped me out along this way. You know, sit around and be bitter about what I don't have when I have everything. Right. Yeah. Well, and I think that that's, I mean, that's, it's so easy to, to look at things. And I know for me, like when, <clears throat> when I don't feel like I'm in a great place spiritually, I will find a problem with anything. Yeah. I mean, it can be one of the most amazing opportunities I've had in my life. And I'll immediately decide that it, it's not happening to me at the right time that it doesn't look at, you know, the way that I thought it would, or, you know, I, I can find the problem with anything. And just like that is true. I can also find something to be grateful for mm. in anything, you know, and it takes work. Like either one takes work, right? Like I've, 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 got to put myself in a position where I'm more likely to see the good that's coming from everything. And, you know, and that's, that's for me, like that takes, you know, constant reminder of where I came from and where I want to go, mm -hmm. acknowledging where I'm at now, acknowledging the growth that's taken place and acknowledging, you know, the, the thing that I'm going to do today to, to make sure that things continue to move forward in a positive direction. Yeah. You know, and by taking those steps and sort of doing that on a daily basis, I'm more apt to look at things 
with an attitude of gratitude. Attitude of gratitude. You like that? Yeah, I, lo- I love that saying. Mm-hmm. You know, I've had one from time to time. Yeah. An attitude of gratitude. I've definitely not had it from time to time. Too, <laughs> it's a fucking miserable, yeah. miserable place to be, man. You know, when when I'm not in gratitude, everything is a fucking problem. Everything, mm-hmm. you know. And so, what do you think about uh, what do you think about gratitude lists? Well, I think it's important. Like I, you know, I read one every day. It's part of my morning routine. I got that from you. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, a lot of people will make a gratitude list every night, which I also agree is very, very helpful. And I think that, you know, my wife will recommend this to people all the time. Write down five things that you're grateful for before you go to bed. Mm-hmm. You know? Just that one exercise alone. Um, at least let you look at the day a little bit differently. Because yeah. it's so easy to look at our day and be like, man, today nothing went right. You know, like this this did not go the way I wanted it to. Because, man, life happens each day. Like, yeah. You know, a lot of times we're not going to find, we're going to find our best laid plans, you know, laid in turmoil. <laughs> but, like, you know, if I can at the end of the day look back and, and, and think about five things that I'm grateful for, then then it's definitely worth writing down. And there is something to the writing down process yeah that really that really helps solidify it in my brain yeah and so i have a pre-written list that i read each morning and i think each one you know there's there's something that will stick with me throughout the day you know like i i dare say that there's probably 40 things that i'm grateful for on there and and i can't say that i recall them all you know consistently or constantly throughout the day but there's probably at least one or two on there that i refer back to in certain situations each day yeah you know and so i think that they're they're big they're huge they're they they in in my world a gratitude list is important yeah i agree and and when i go about making a gratitude list um i like i like to be really like like uh spiritual and ritualistic about it and like you know because the last one that i wrote which i still have you know i i was going through quite the change in my life you know i was going a career change you know um everything was kind of up in the air i didn't know which direction i was going as far as finances go um you know, me and Avery were in a kind of a rocky place. Uh, I was uncertain of my direction spiritually. Like I had a lot going on. Right. And so I talked with my sponsor and one of the things that he said, you know, cause I was telling him some of the stuff that I was having a problem with. And that's what he kind of suggested. I do is write down that I'm grateful for those things. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Because, um, if I can face them, if, if I have a problem and I found this to be true, whatever problem I face, I eventually become grateful for that problem. Sure. Right. There's something in overcoming the problem. There's something in facing the problem. There's something in um, getting on the other side and finding a solution in it and getting the growth that comes out of it that makes me extremely grateful for having it. You know, um, fitness is, is no different, you know. Um, where I'm at with my life today and this program of fitness that I'm on, like I hurt all the time, 
And that's not what I, like, that was not what I envisioned for being fit. <laughs> like, like I had this dream of being like a fit dad and, and feeling like I thought that fitness was going to make me feel good all the time. Yeah. You know? and, and I had expectations and what, what has ended up happening is like this muscle hurts or that bone hurts or this joint hurts or, or whatever the case is. And I have to find ways to be grateful for that because I have to like program myself and convince myself and remind myself that that's where the growth comes from. You know, growth comes from a little bit of discomfort, sometimes a lot of discomfort. And that's just the journey that I'm on right now. You know, I'm grateful that I get to be on that journey Mm -hmm. and it, it's painful, but it's worth it. You know, I feel, I feel better mentally yeah, well, I mean, it's a great metaphor for just anything. Any any sort of growth is going to come from discomfort. Right. You know, um, specifically, you're talking about pain. It's like, as far as exercise goes, like, I'm okay with being sore. Hey, I want to be. I want to be sore because when I feel sore the next day or later on in the day, like I know that I did something. It's a callback to what I did earlier in the day. Sure. That that was something beneficial for myself and my body. Like what I'm not okay with is like pain. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, oh shit, I did something wrong. Yeah. Like there's 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 a difference for me. But but I do appreciate what you're talking about, like being sore all the time. Like I'm sort of in that same place where, you know, I I tend to be sore like the next day or the day of you know or after and yeah it is a good reminder it's like fuck man I did, uh, yeah, I was, <laughs> that was killer this morning wasn't it like yeah and if it's hard it's probably worth it right like, yeah. it seems like it seems like if it's if it's hard and we're willing to do it and we do it like the payoff on the other side of it is worth it mm-hmm. and then i'm grateful for it yeah you know i get to be grateful um like running a marathon or half marathon it's hard mm-hmm. but finishing it it feels good. Yeah. Did it. Something hard. You know, maintaining a, a, a discipline with food intake. It's hard. Mm-hmm. But on the days that I do it and I do it well, it feels good. Mm-hmm. You know, um, living in fear of growth is something that I have inside of me. You know, I don't want anyone to think that uh, this stuff just is, is natural to me. Right. You know, it's not. It's not natural for, for me to want to self-improve. Um, it's, it's become habitual. You know, I, I've made a habit out of wanting to self-improve, but it doesn't come natural. What, what ended up happening was the pain of being dysfunctional became so great that I was willing to change my mindset on the way that I viewed the world. And in doing so, it took me down a path of, of answers for questions that I didn't even know I was asking. Mm-hmm. You know, the big one that I didn't know I was asking was, how do I be okay? How do I stop hating myself? How do I stop <clears throat> hurting the people that love me because I hate myself? How do I find a, a life of fulfillment and joy? How do I get to this place where I'm going to feel okay? You know, how do I get there? And as I started down that journey and down that path, the answers started coming, you know, and the answers to those things came in ways that I wasn't always expecting, you know. Um, I didn't know that by changing my diet, I was going to feel better internally 
right? I just thought I was going to look better. I thought, I thought that if I change my diet, that's going to make me lose weight. And if I lose weight, then I'm going to look great. And if I look great, I'm going to feel good. And if I feel good, then I'll be happy. And if I'm happy, then I'll be okay. Right. And what ended up happening was I changed my diet. It was super fucking hard. It was continued to be hard doing the hard thing that, that I didn't want to do fighting off the cravings and all those things gave me a sense of worth through discipline and doing it over and over and over again, put me in a position where I could trust myself to do the next right thing, which created self-esteem in me, which built confidence, which led to joy, which led to fulfillment, which now I feel happy, but it's still a fight. You know what I mean? And so, so what I think is going to happen doesn't always happen the way that I think it's going to happen. I just want to feel okay. And when I feel okay, I can look back and I can see the steps that happened. You know, I want to say the steps that I took, but I was led in that direction, Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. through, through different motivational speeches, books, people, willingness, willingness, you know, doing the work. I was led in this direction where the answers were given to me so that I could go back and I could look back in my rear view mirror and see how far I've came. And I, I can be grateful for being so sick that I was willing to take a step in the next right direction. Right, right. And continuing in that path shows my gratitude for the answers and the people that were in my life that gave me those answers. You know what I mean? Yeah. Everything is an action. Gratitude mm-hmm. is such an action. Mm-hmm. Action, action, action. Yeah, well, it's great that you said that because I've definitely felt that 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 same thing. And I, you know, I make it a point to remind myself each day that, you know, I have been given an incredible opportunity by certain people in my life and I honor those people by choosing to to show up with an attitude of gratitude towards those opportunities that <laughs> yeah. I've been given you know because I in no way do I want to take for granted what was so freely given to me and so it's important that I honor that by by doing the best job I can and by being my highest self in those situations that have been given to me because those people were selfless, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I hate feeling like a fuck. <laughs> I like feeling okay. Yeah. You know, it's funny that you said that because I feel like that's that's all, that's the goal. That's always the goal is like, man, I just want to feel comfortable in my own skin. Yeah. You know? And it seems like being grateful, like, helps that. That's a big you know? part seems like being grateful helps that. And, and I can't imagine at all feeling like getting to, getting to a point where I know it's all going to end mm-hmm. and being ungrateful for my life. Mm. You know, ah, fuck. You know, just yeah. feeling that regret coming on that I didn't spend my energy or emotional well-being wisely the short amount of time that we have. Yeah. You know, not showing you gratitude, not showing, you know, our audience gratitude through through doing doing the next right thing constantly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's funny because I'm sitting I'm sitting here thinking about the relationship that we we get to develop with ourselves, you know, through through gratitude and, and, and through our experiences. And, and and one thing that I thought about is like if 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 you and I were to go through a traumatic experience together, you know, there is no doubt that if we were able to come through that on the other side, 
And let's say let's say that we you and I go to a bank and we're kidnapped by a couple of bank robbers. Okay. And we don't know. We don't know if we're going to live or die. We just don't know because these guys are crazy. They're psychotic. We have no idea what to expect. And eventually, maybe because you're a smooth talker <laughs> and because I have hair, they let us go. Yeah, for, for whatever reason. Yeah, sure. exactly. Okay. Like, well, oh, this guy has hair. We'll let him go. <laughs> but let's just say that happened, right? Like okay. you and I are going to come away from that with a new level of appreciation right. and gratitude for life, right? So in that in that same regard, I get to do the same thing with myself, right? These experiences that I have with myself, and just much like in that situation, you and I are probably going to have a new aspect to our relationship mm-hmm. because we went through that together. Right. So we're going to be closer than we ever were before, you know? And in that regard, like when I am faced with those situations with myself, and I go through those experiences with myself, I now connect with myself more than I did before. Right. And I get to come out of that situation with a newfound respect, appreciation, and gratitude, and connection to myself, right? Because those relationships are only strengthened through those things that we go through. And my gratitude is only amplified in those situations. So... You know, not that I invite those things to come my way because I certainly don't. Like, I don't invite challenges into my life, but I accept them when they come. Right. And I understand that by going through them, I will become a stronger person who who does feel more comfortable in my skin, who who is a little bit more okay than I was yesterday with who I am because of the growth that I've received by this opportunity that's been given to me, you know, and some of the, the weird things that I remember hearing in in uh, in the rooms of, of AA or twelve step meetings is, you know, people would talk about problems as opportunities for growth, and I'm like, what is that? <laughs> like, oh, I my landlord posted up an eviction notice, so I guess it's another opportunity for growth. It's like, what? <laughs> Got a warrant out, didn't know about. Right, yeah, yeah. I got to show up <clears throat> and pay X amount of dollars to court. What a, what an amazing opportunity for growth. Right. <clears throat> and I get that. You know, I, I totally understand that. And I think that it is important that we look at these things with that attitude. And and by doing that, we are, we're sort of, we're sort of, you know, buying into this idea that, if we maintain this attitude towards these negative things, call them negative if you want, then we are ensuring that we will grow from it and from it will come a reason for it happening. Right. And so, you know, the synchronicity that comes in those instances, I think is worth having that attitude, that attitude for it. Well, it was all meant to happen. I was supposed to go through that so I could learn this. Sure. You know, and with that comes gratitude. Yeah. Very well said. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very well said. Yeah. And, it, it, you know, sometimes it's hard to <clears throat> accept other people's gratitudes for us. Sure. You know, like sometimes, uh, it, because all that stuff that you said, other people benefit because of what you went through, mm-hmm. right? Because of who you are today. Um, other people like me, Jordan, you know, your lovely wife, 
people in the meetings. We all benefit from all of your own adversity and your willingness to grow through all that stuff and get a better connection with yourself. Mm -hmm. Because now when you're living in gratitude, you're able to, to produce that vibration out into the world and you're living in this state of gratitude, which means when I'm having a bad day and I come at you with it, you're coming back with like love and tolerance instead of like adding to the fire, right. you know what I mean? Or with your wife or anybody else. And so you're able to, to, to resonate gratitude and, and help other people find ways to be grateful for whatever it is they're going through. You know, we all do better when we have a better connection with ourselves and sharing that gratitude and accepting like, Hey, you know, you really, you said something on the show today that really resonated with mm -hmm. me and it helped me out a lot. And I, eh, yeah, well, it, yeah, I get that. It's, it's fine. You know, no big deal, but really it is, you know, mm -hmm. when we're, when we're putting ourselves out there in, in a way that's helping other people. And I think everybody has the opportunity to do this, you know? And, and I think if you go back and, and look through your life, you'll find places where people were helped through your adversity, through being able to deal with certain things. And then they deal with that certain thing and you have a little bit of an answer for it and, right. and share that gratitude because gratitude is a verb, mm. you know, I do well, you do well. We do well. The world does well. You know, <clears throat> we're grateful for the the things that we have and the things that we're able to produce and the way that we feel. And, and you know, having that gratitude list and listing our, our things that we're grateful for and feeling the emotion of gratitude for the people in our lives, which is the number one thing I think I'm grateful for, is the people in my life. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. I really am. And I, <clears throat> I feel it. I feel gratitude. And when I feel gratitude, I get a little bit sure emotional. Yeah, sometimes it's almost the one the one time I do get emotional these days is like <laughs> when I'm just like extremely overwhelmed with gratitude and just <sighs> wow, yeah, it's amazing. It's like yeah. who would have thought? You know, like little old me. <laughs> you know, like all this being so grateful because I was that kid growing up that nothing was ever good enough. Like. My mom would buy generic brand cough syrup, and I'd be like, Western family, I want NyQuil. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I was that kid growing up. Yeah. So it's like, now to find myself in these modest circumstances and, and to be able to turn around and be grateful for it and be like, my Western family life is actually pretty good. <laughs> Bad. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, compared to the person who can't afford it at all. Yeah, yeah. Whatever it is they're going through. Or compared through. to who I was yesterday. Yeah. You know? So, I mean, I don't know. Like, I, I definitely feel like gratitude is such a big part of, the, of, of my story and, and my program and my daily way of thinking that, you know, I'm kind of surprised we haven't talked about it until now. Yeah. But I also think that, you know, it's, uh, it, I don't know, like, I think maybe the reason why I haven't talked about it before now or why we haven't talked about it for before now is because it's such a big part of our of our daily lives that we forget how much it actually sure. applies I can see that you know what i mean I can see so. that and i think i think i think gratitude runs really close along with empathy too you know being able to put yourself in the shoes of other people and and just yeah. like being compassionate with one another and 
just showing that gratitude is love, Mm. love, 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 Mm -hmm. you know? And it's so important that, that I be prepared for, for things that come my way through my experience of not being in gratitude, Mm. you know, helps me just appreciate so much. It's hard. It's hard to, um, not list all the things that I right have to be grateful for. Yeah. You know, cause I could probably do a whole hour just on That's what I all, mean. all the things that I'm grateful for. So yeah, I totally, I, I agree with you. It is such a big, big part of our daily lives, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm open to hearing how other people share gratitude. You know, yeah. so yeah. anybody that's listening or watching the show, you know, like, how are you, how do you show gratitude? Like, what does it mean to you? Um, I think it's the one thing that could really heal the world. Uh, mm-hmm. As you know, my, my world is being healed through gratitude, mm-hmm. you know? Well, and, and what I really, really do appreciate is that I, I think the secret's out, you know what I mean? Like, I think that, that more and more people are, are waking up to the fact that, that uh, that gratitude is so so super critical in in the way that we choose to to live our daily lives. That you know, I I I like I like knowing that I'm not alone in knowing how important mm. gratitude is to to me being a good person. Yeah, you know, and so yeah, I mean, I am interested in in hearing how other people make gratitude work in their lives because the more information I have in that category, the better off I'm going to be. Sure. You know, better prepared. Yeah. And, and you were talking about, uh, just the, when people express their gratitude towards us yeah. and like really allowing that and accepting that, it made me think of Cindy. <laughs> so Cindy yeah. is our war story today. And our just, southern friend. Yeah, our southern friend Cindy is is uh, is a fan of the show, <laughs> and and we've sort of uh, made it a point to establish a, um, just not that we're not connected to all of our fans, but she has made it a point, and we have made it a point to reach out and make some extra contact with her in order to establish a little bit more of a relationship with her, and uh, and it's been pretty great. Yeah. She's definitely somebody that that uh, I just love. I love it when I get to talk to her. Yeah, she makes you feel good. Yeah, she yeah. is not afraid at all just to tell you exactly how grateful she is yep. for all the things, mm-hmm. all the things, mm-hmm. you know. And she didn't have it's. It hasn't been a smooth ride for her, you know, no. starting young, mm-hmm. you know, and being a caregiver, yeah. you know. Um, it's it's a uh, you know, she's a compulsive old reader, um, and she's tried several different things. Um, but she identifies, yeah, she definitely identifies with the pain and suffering of addiction. You oh, know, yeah. she uses food. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And hearing her talk about it, like I, I mean, I, I so relate with food now, yeah. you know, like, now. I mean, I, I identify with the drugs and alcohol before, but it's been such a long time since, that was my obsession, you know, that it's easy for me to forget. But I remember the obsession with food because it was like a week ago. Right. You know what I mean? Like it yeah. just, it seems so fresh that when we talk about like the struggle and the obsession with food, it's like, right, right. Yeah, exactly. I totally get it, mm-hmm. you know? 
And, uh, and so I really appreciate her sharing her story. She talks about how it's not, it's, it's you know, probably a little bit different than some of the war stories that we're used to, but I don't think so. Huh? It's, it's so much more, you know, of what we've, what we've all, of what we've all been able to figure out by now through these war stories is that we're all so much more alike than we, we might think we are. For sure. Yeah. So I'm excited to share it with you guys. I can't wait for you to hear it. This is Cindy's War Story. My name is Cindy, and I am a recovered compulsive eater. I've uh, never told my story this way, so I'm not really sure how it's going to come out or how it's going to come across, or I'm not even sure what I'm going to say, even though I have a few notes. So I'm going along for the ride just like you are. My story may not be as dramatic as some of the war stories we've heard because, let's face it, there's no DUI equivalent for compulsive eating. You know, we traditionally don't go to jail. We don't live in flop houses. We um, traditionally don't have the same kind of damaged relationships that maybe other addictions have. But I think that's just because the symptoms are more subtle than they are in other addictions but they're still dangerous and they're still potentially fatal. Um, I wasn't really sure where to start, so I'll start where most people do and that's with trauma. Um, When I was almost four years old, my mother had a baby and that was so exciting, except that my sister uh, was developmentally disabled. She was severely developmentally disabled. She was born with hydrocephaly, which is water on the brain. She had to have a shunt tube installed that that drained the water into her stomach. She had seizures all of her life. Um, She had cerebral palsy. She was blind. She was paralyzed on one, almost completely paralyzed on one side. Um, It was just a lot for my mother to take in. And and my mother being emotionally overwhelmed kind of didn't know what to do with me. I was the child who was as the next youngest who needed the most care. And uh, I kind of fell through the cracks. And um, I loved my sister. Amazing. I mean, she just the relationship we had was amazing. And by the time I was eight, I was her primary caregiver. And I don't mean there was my mom and then I occasionally babysat. I mean, I was her primary caregiver. I... Um, Long before I was eight, I slept with her at night. I had to take naps when she took naps. Um, I fed her. She was non-ambulatory uh, for a long time. I you know, picked her up and carried her around and um, just took care of her. I played with her. I did speech therapy with her. Um, I was her primary caregiver. I can remember uh, being in elementary school and actually missing school because I had to stay home and take care of my sister because she wouldn't eat for anybody else. She wouldn't calm down. She wouldn't behave. She was agitated. And I was the only one uh, who could bring her any peace or comfort. And so I had to stay home from school. It didn't happen often, but it did happen. So there was that, that's traumatic for an eight-year-old girl. At nine, I was molested for the first time. Sadly, not the last time. My brother, who is closest to aging me, uh, he's six years older than me. He uh, became very violent and very angry at this time. And I, I never did find out what all that was about. Probably his reaction to the, tra- to the tra- trauma in our family. 
Um, but I was literally afraid to be left alone with them. And that was problematic because just like I was my sister's primary caregiver, he was mine. I was too young to be left at home by myself, especially with her. I mean, you know, had something happened, I wouldn't have been able to, you know, drive anywhere, get anywhere, you know. Um, and besides that, at eight, you're just too young to be left at home. Nine, ten, shouldn't be left at home alone anyway. So I'm left alone with my brother, who I'm literally afraid to be alone with. One time my parents came home, I'd say it was probably about 12, and um, he had me backed in the corner with a butcher knife up against my throat, and he'd drawn blood. I say he was trying to kill me. He always said, if I was trying to kill you, you'd be dead. That's not really a lot of comfort to, you know, a 12-year-old. Um, so I didn't know how to process all this. I mean, even just one of those things would have been a lot for a person to process, for a kid to process. And I had all of that. And I didn't know how to process it. And my mother, like a lot of mothers do, uh, expressed emotion through food. She loved me through food. When things were bad, she'd make me my special meal. When you're on your birthday, you get something special to eat. Being Southern, she had lifted that to an art form. She, um, in the South, we do everything with food. We celebrate with food. We grieve with food. One of the first things that somebody will say when they hear somebody's died is what are we going to take to the family? What kind of food are we going to take to the family? Um, it's just, it is such an ubiquitous part of our culture. And uh, my mom, like all of those other Southern women, um, taught me, um, I'm sure unconsciously, that food can take away the pain. That she, you know, then you can find love through food and you can find comfort through food. You can find all of these things through food. And if you're thinking about food, you're obviously distracted from whatever's going on around you. So I learned to eat for not nutrition. I mean, because I'm 10, nobody eats for, you know, no 10-year-old eats for nutrition. But um, I learned to eat mostly for comfort and distraction. I was often eating not because I liked the food I was eating or even because I loved the food I was eating. I hear a lot of people go, oh, you know, I might be a compulsive eater. I just love food. I was eating for the effect. I didn't, I didn't know whether I liked or loved what I was eating because I was never present with my food. I was thinking of how was I going to get the next bite? How was I going to get the next, you know, the next helping? What was the next meal? What was, I was never present with the food I was eating, even at 10 and 12. Sometimes I could literally feel a sugar rush if it was sweets that I was eating, but more often then the sugar rush even was this sense of, I don't even know what word to use to describe it. It was a combination of like warmth and peace and soothing and this, this idea that all is right in the world. And I, if I had to pick a word to sum it up with, it would just be, you know, this feeling just wash over me. And it didn't happen every time I ate, but it happened often enough that I became obsessed with that feeling and I started to eat in pursuit of that feeling. And I was never really into drugs or alcohol, so I don't know, but I can only imagine that other addicts know that feeling. They just know it with a different substance. Um, about this time, this is 10, 12, 14, 15, 
everything became a blur and I, I don't really know what happens it what happens first that um the boss at my first job tried to rape me um my sister died when i was 15 she was 12 and um that was not only did i lose a sibling but i had been responsible for her i i still all these years later feel like i lost a child when i lost her because she had been my primary responsibility i when when my mom couldn't handle her, I did. And sometimes my mom didn't even try. Loved my mom, but sometimes she didn't even try. It was just easier um, to let Cindy take care of her. My family, as often happens as the result of a of a child dying, started falling apart. Um, my parents had very different grieving styles, and that caused a lot of friction between the two of them. I had uh, my first symptoms about this time of a bad mood disorder. Uh, my official diagnosis is a schizoaffective disorder bipolar type. And um, I didn't know how to handle it. My mother didn't believe in mental illness. So there were no doctors, there were no therapists. There were just symptoms. And through all of this, I'm eating for comfort and distraction. And again, it's not just the comfort and distraction that I'm eating for, but I'm also eating in search of that elusive oh, feeling that didn't happen every time I ate, but it happened often enough for me to make the connection between the two. And at the time, though, this is mostly happening unconsciously or subconsciously. I was not consciously going, I'm overwhelmed by my feelings. I think I'll go eat something. But uh, in my early 20s, I had been to Weight Watchers, because obviously eating this way, I'm getting heavier and heavier. Um, I'd been to Weight Watchers, and I'd lost about 40 pounds. And I was small enough then that 40 pounds made a big difference. You could really tell. And ran, <clears throat> excuse me, I ran into a man who um, probably considered himself a family friend, but he had um, made improper sexual advances toward me when I was a young teenager, so I never considered him a family friend. But anyway, I ran into him, um, and he acknowledged my weight loss and then said, you look good enough to eat. And I made a conscious connection between my feelings right then and what was happening in the moment and food. And without missing a beat, without thinking about it or trying to come up with some snappy response, I said, well, that's an excuse for a hot fudge Sunday if I ever heard one. I made the connection in my brain that if being slim or slimmer meant attracting the attention of the likes of him, I'd just as soon eat and get fat again. And that was my first conscious um, I have an overwhelming feeling. I think I'll go eat now. Connection. About that same time in my early 20s, I flirted with bulimia. And um, I remember, again, after a Weight Watchers meeting, it had worked once, so I got desperate. And not so much desperate about my weight, but desperate to control the compulsion and to control the obsession. So Weight Watchers is all I knew. So I went to Weight Watchers. And... At this time, I was practice. I was a practicing bulimic. I don't know, three, four weeks, not very long, and um, had gained weight at my meeting weigh-in, 
even though I'm practicing bulimia. And after the weigh-in, after the meeting is over, I remember walking down, there was the building was like up three or four steps before you got to the street. I remember walking down the steps and just plopping down in tears, crying. And what I was thinking was, I can't even do bulimia right. That's how messed up my head had gotten. You know, that rather than saying, wow, that's not working for me, it's a good thing that's not gonna be my future because bulimia is rough. Um, I was saying, I can't even do bulimia right. I have no control, I can't, I can't even do that right. Uh, that's the, the negative place my head was in at the time. You know, a lot of people think that, that eating is about, for compulsive eating, that it's about a lack of control, a lack of discipline. Um, I had done everything that I could think of to try to control my eating. I have done almost every diet in the world, uh, everyone I've ever heard of, certainly. Uh, and I even had bariatric surgery. I had a lap band installed about, I don't know, eight or 10 years ago. And the problem with diets and the problem with even bariatric surgery is it doesn't do anything to address the thinking. It doesn't do anything to address the compulsive need to eat and the obsessive thinking about eating. So it was doomed to, it was doomed to fail. The surgery, every diet I've ever been on were, was doomed to fail because of that. Because like um, I've heard addicts and alcoholics say, I couldn't stop from starting. No, I couldn't stop once I started and I couldn't stop from starting. You know, it was always that first bite. There was never one cookie, but I couldn't even not take that one cookie. You know, it was just a, a constant battle. Uh, so because there was no change in how I thought about food, um, you know, the surgery, the diets, nothing happened. And I, I think about, I hear other compulsive eaters talk about like red light foods and trigger foods. And yeah, I had those. Um, but mostly for me, I mean, yeah, I like the biological effects of sugar. And, and there are, you know, scientific studies about the effects of sugar on the brain. That, that's kind of scary. But I could eat green beans compulsively. I could eat broccoli compulsively. I mean, yes, it's good for you, but not if you eat the whole damn bag. It's not. Not if you're eating with no mindfulness, with no presence. You're just eating to be eating, you know, to soothe some kind of inner agitation. It doesn't matter what you're eating, it's still unhealthy. Um, so it's not so much I've learned, um, like I said, some people have trigger foods and I'm not denying that that's true. And some people do the whole red food, yellow food, green food as to what they can eat. But for me, I found it's not what I eat, it's the way I think about food. That I eat compulsively, doesn't matter what it is, and I think about food obsessively. And that has taken its toll. I am diabetic, uh, diagnosed about 20 years ago on insulin for about 15 years until just recently. I am off of my insulin right now. Uh, I have high blood pressure. I had a heart attack 20 years ago and a probable stroke 19 years ago. Um, so even though, like I said, it may not be as dramatic 
with uh, DUIs and arrests and all of those kinds of things, it's still potentially fatal. The way I eat could kill me or anyone else who eats the way I do. But I can now say that's, I can now say that in the past tense. I can now say I used to eat food compulsively and I used to think about food obsessively because um, through the grace of the 12 steps, I have been given total neutrality around food. I, um, even my so-called trigger foods, even the foods I really like, like um, one of my foods was, I, I thought I, could, I would never go to a movie again because I couldn't have the popcorn because I would eat the whole large bag, usually during the previews, you know, and not have any popcorn left for the rest of the movie, just to, you know, with a, save a couple of handfuls my husband had. But um, I recently threw a bag of pop, movie popcorn away because it got stale because I had what I wanted and I honestly didn't want any more. Uh, there was a candy bar set on my kitchen counter for like five days and it was half eaten and I wasn't exerting any control. One of my girlfriends said, how can you keep that stuff around you to tempt you? But it doesn't tempt me anymore. I truly, um, like I said, it took me about five days. And when I ate the other half of the candy bar, I shared it with my husband. And that's unheard of <laughs> that I would share my food um, my brother that I mentioned died on my first day of abstinence and, um, he, we had a very contentious relationship as you might imagine, you know, just for what I've said, it's probably the most emotionally complicated relationship in my life. And there was a part of me that thought I could eat over this. Nobody would blame me on my first day of abstinence if I ate over the fact that my brother died. During COVID, when we can't plan a funeral, nobody would blame me. Wasn't even tempted. The thought, you know, the little voice in your head, I heard that, but I went, yeah, no, just not there. But the biggest example I've had of the neutrality is that um, my favorite food, it's not really a binge food, it was just a food. My favorite food is was um, pretzel rods and canned frosting. The salty and the sweet together, I could buy a bag of pretzels, not could, would. I would buy a bag of pretzels and two tubs of frosting, uh, hide them in my desk drawer. I'm sure if I clean out my desk drawer, there is still half-eaten tubs of frosting. Well, not even half, more, more than half-eaten tubs of frosting in there. But... Um, the other day I was at a grocery store and it's a grocery store I don't usually shop at. So I don't know where everything is. And I was having to really pay attention as I went down the aisle of what I'm seeing to know if it was something I needed on my short list. So I went down the aisle for Stevia. I put it in my cart. And then I look over here and I'm like, oh, there's the applesauce. I don't need that. There's the cooking oil. I don't need that. Uh, there's some fruit juice. I don't need that. There's the... Uh, frosting and cake mixes. I don't need that. There's the vinegar. I don't need that. And then I realized after I'd walked about 10 steps past the um, frosting that I had, I had said that with no emotional attachment whatsoever. There was no longing. There was no nostalgia. There was nothing. I had no emotional reaction to the frosting, just like I had no emotional reaction to the cooking oil. It was just gone. 
And when I realized that, I knew the power of the 12 steps because I've tried everything else. And it wasn't until I started doing step work that I started having neutrality around food. So now I'm to a point where I can start thinking about food for nutrition. I can start thinking about food as a way to heal my body by feeding it properly. I think I was granted a couple of weeks, well, not a couple of weeks, anyway, I was granted some time to just enjoy the feeling of eating without eating compulsively. I think I was given some time before I had, before I was led, for lack of a better word, to jump into eating for nutrition, to start, it's time to start watching my food again, but not out of obsession, not as a way to control the compulsion, but strictly as a way to plan to eat nutritionally, to feed my body, to nourish my body, to heal my body, to start to look at food as medicine rather than food as comfort or food as distraction. So I have 84 days in. I am looking forward to the next 84 days with strength and hope. My name is Cindy and I'm a recovered compulsive eater. Amen, sister. Yeah, yeah man. Like I, I, I wish uh, all of us strength and hope in, in, in our sure. days to come. And I want to say congratulations, Cindy. I know she has more than eighty-four days. Yeah. It's been just a little bit since we uh, since we got her story, but she's doing amazing. Um, I can't thank you enough, Cindy, for for sharing your story with us. And uh, man, there was a lot there yeah. that, that I identified with. I could see that, you know, I could see wanting to eat through all that. Yeah. Man. She talked about, you know, she talked about her physical reaction with food. And I remember that more with alcohol, maybe more than anything that I put into my body to alter my state. But I felt something similar to that wave Mm -hmm. that she talks about with every substance I took to try and get me out of my head right? yeah so with alcohol it was always the burning sensation in the stomach you know and i feel that wave of relief but i mean everything you know yeah. whether it was that or food or pills or whatever like something always gave me that same relief and so i know that there's going to be a lot of people listening that can identify with that that wave of relief yeah. that comes from that substance. Yeah, for me, for me, that that feeling with in regards to food, there's there's something that, uh, and we've heard it said before, you know, with the food in my mouth, I check out. Mm. I put the food in my, while it's in my mouth, I'm checking out. I swallow it and I come back online, and I put another bite in my mouth and I check out. It, right it goes down and i come back online and that's that's the cycle for me and and the hope is that eventually i'm going to eat enough food that whatever it is i'm trying to avoid is going to go away mm. and it usually comes down to the reason that i'm i'm eating is is that i'm trying to avoid some type of self care and I don't want to do the work. Like it's such a, such a crazy process, mm. you know? And, and, you know, I appreciate Cindy sharing her story because there's a lot of stuff in there, you know, when we start talking about, you know, molestation and, mm. and having to take care of her, her, uh, disabled sister from such a young age. Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, her being taken care of by her molester and, and like being in such a powerless situation, 
you know, it's no bring it back around to the end of her story where, yeah, like nobody's going to blame you for yeah mm-hmm. any of that stuff. Yeah. Nobody's going to blame. I, I experienced that same thing, you know, or early on in my own sobriety, I had an uncle that passed away and I thought that very same thing. Nobody yeah. would blame me if I, if I was to drink right now, you know, and, and, you know, another thing that I really identified with in her story is just the worthlessness that she felt. Mm-hmm. She she said that, you know, when she had that stint of bulimia, she couldn't even do that right. <laughs> and, and, and that, you know, I felt like that so many times in my life where it was like, man, I'm fucking up the fuck up. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I can't even fuck up properly. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a, such a fuck. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> More. Yeah, yeah, exactly. More. More. I got to numb that out. I got to numb it out. And, you know, it's not uh, like like I could totally identify with, with, you know, the family using food in every situation. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that's Mm -hmm. an American culture thing. I don't don't know any, me personally, I don't know any families that don't surround around, that that are surrounding a table, right? Like we all surround the table and that's where conversation and love and and uh you, you know everything is revolved around the plate yeah in our culture and and i know for me my mom was a lot of the same way you know if, if i had a bad day in school let's go get you something to eat you know let's go to mcdonald's or ice cream or what would you like for dinner and then your birthday oh fuck your birthday yeah it's what do you want what yeah, do you for- want for my birthday, for our birthdays, it was like, what do you want mom to make for dinner? Yeah. I mean, what, you know, like whatever, whatever you want for dinner. Whatever just, you want for dinner. It's your special day. It's your special day. I always wanted pizza and pizza. And then, uh, it, it was whatever cake my mom, we wanted my mom to make. Yep. Cause my mom always made the cake at home. Did we have the same mom? <laughs> yeah. All right. We, we did. <laughs> I thought so. Yeah. We did. Uh, you know, and, and, you know, and then taking it all the way to the extremes of, of surgery and trying that and, and not even that works for us. Yep. Yep. You know, it seems like the spiritual path of, of working a program like the 12 steps, getting, getting transparent with your trauma Mm -hmm. and somebody else being, uh, accountable for my actions, you know, like, like she has been, um, at some point, the obsession can be removed long enough to gain abstinence and sobriety to the point where we can put some days together yep. and start getting some sanity back in our lives. And I'm, I'm really grateful that Cindy shared that and she just makes me feel wonderful. Yeah. She's so great. It's like yeah. I was telling you, man, like if you ever, if you ever feel bad or discouraged about what it is we do here and just talk to Cindy, <laughs> she, I mean, really like she's just such an advocate for, for everything that we do and, and for recovery in general, and 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 she's 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 a great person to have uh, as an ally on, yeah. on this side of the message. Yeah, she's out there killing it. Yeah, and she actually, uh, I want to mention, uh, Cindy has started her own podcast. It's called uh, Adulting for Addicts, and um, I did an interview with her. You're going to do an interview I'll with do her, one. so um, you'll be able to see us on her show or hear us on her show. Um, which you should be able to find on iTunes and anywhere you listen to your podcast, uh, November 19th. So 2020. Yeah. 20, 2020. Yes. 
Um, but with that, man, thank you, Cindy, so yes. much. Thank you, for thank you. Your we story. Love you. We do love you. I love you. Willie loves you. Jordan even loves you. Um, I think. Yeah, all right. Jordan loves you. Um, but uh, <laughs> but anyways, uh, well, that's it. That's thank it, you, what do you, Cameron. Think? Yeah, grateful for you. I'm 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 grateful for you too, Willie. Like, yeah. Uh, grateful for this platform that we have. Me too. I think we're pretty. It's pretty amazing that we get to come together and 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 talk this way and and it's not always comfortable. Nah. I'll say that. Sometimes it's hard to know what to say. Yeah. I, I don't feel I'm not an expert. <laughs> just expert on yourself. I'm just a dude. Yeah. You know. But yeah. I, 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 so I appreciate when I hear that, you know, somebody gets value from some of the things that we say. And we do hear that a lot. And so, so I'm grateful for, for everybody that, that listens and responds to the show. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Well, that's I, I, going to do us. Yeah. Wrap Good. it out. Let's wrap it out. Wrap it out, son. Okay. <laughs> All right, guys. With that, remember that you are worth the work. We will see you on the other side. Okay, bye.